and welcome to New Horizons in Health, bringing veteran healthcare into the future. This is our second podcast episode out of the Department of Veterans Affairs, and I'm honored to serve as Undersecretary for Health for the Department of Veterans Affairs. My name is Sharif Elnahal, I'm a physician, and have had the absolute honor of guiding this healthcare system into a better and better place on behalf of veterans across the country. And today's episode is about something really exciting that is meeting the moment that veterans need increasingly across the system. You might not think that extended reality and virtual reality are important for healthcare. Most of us think of that technology from what the meta headsets might do to connect you to a game or to other people playing poker online, et cetera. That's not what this is about. It's the same underlying technology but we are seeing applications of this to real veteran healthcare issues more and more across the country. Everything from mental health to getting veterans through really tough chronic conditions and just making daily life easier for veterans every single day. And I just have an incredible panel with me today. I have Army veteran Paula Edwards, who you'll be hearing from in a moment. I also have Navy veteran Dean Peterson, I also have our VA Immersive Lead, which is what we call the program here in VA, using extended and virtual reality to serve veterans. Her name is Dr. Ann Bailey. We also have our very own VA recreational therapist, Evan Davis, who is also a veteran, to talk about how we are deploying this exciting new technology across the country. And these folks have been busy. Right now, we have seen over 1,200 headsets distributed nationally and over 160 VA medical centers and countless more sites of care. We're seeing the application in so many different areas of care. We're using the technology to offer the best and soonest care to veterans in their home. We're allowing veterans to connect to clinicians and to other veterans as they cope through really tough conditions like substance use disorder, like conditions like phantom limb pain, and so much more. And you'll hear from veterans who've experienced this technology and who wanna talk about it to their fellow veterans that we're trying to serve better and better across the country. And you're also gonna hear from our awesome clinicians, program leaders, and veterans themselves who are actually deploying this program themselves to help their fellow veterans. So I'm really excited about this topic today. And we'll start with our honored guests, the veterans who we are serving with this technology. So Paula, just start off by telling me about yourself, your service, and ultimately what brought you to the VA to experience this technology. Well, I served in the Army for 32 years. I started in the um, active duty, went in the reserves, then after 9-11 um, was mobilized and served out the rest of my career in time. Uh, from 9-11 to 2015, I was um, majority of the time a public affairs officer. I did, um, my branch was adjutant general corps, so I did all personnel type work, um, but my heart and soul was always, you know, doing the public affairs mission, telling the Army story. And then as a civilian, I was a um, middle school science and math teacher. So that's what I did. And then what brought me to the VA is once I retired, um, I had had a series of injuries, some no, unknown, like when I wasn't there and when I came back, it was there. So um, with that, that started me going to the VA uh, for my health care, and it's been really good, and I, I appreciate everything that I have 
um, received and all the opportunities that I've had with the VA. Tell me a little more about your experience as a communications expert, which I'm not, so maybe you'll make this podcast interesting. Um, but tell me a little more about that experience and, you know, what you, some examples of things that you accomplished there. So I, I got to deploy quite a bit because public affairs were usually the first people, one of the first people in. You think about the infantry, but the public affairs people go in first as well so that we can tell those stories and you leave kind of some of the last ones to leave. But like I was thinking about any, um, one of the first events I got to do and I was, maybe about 28 was to be over an event where President Clinton was. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, j just to be in charge of that or to meet people that you see on the news every day and it's like, oh man, they're walking by here and it's, this is my show. And it was really, really wonderful to be able to do that and to do the, um, oh, what was it, the congressional delegations or to see, um, governors and all those type of people to come through and get to tell those stories to get to do it with um so many presidents that you, and it didn't matter what your um your political affiliation was it was like you're just going to get this job done for whoever it is and what an honor it is to meet them and one real honor was when um barack obama was a um a senator, and he came, and I can't remember the gentleman who did the post-9-11 GI Bill, but we were doing an event for them as they came through, and just to see all the excitement or that all of that brought with it, and to be able to be a part of something that was going to last longer and longer, and I did have one of my, um, I was a lieutenant colonel at that time, and I had one of my E3s to tell me he wasn't a Democrat, and I'm like, what an opportunity. You're going to leave here, and this person might be the president, but you're also with this person with the post-GI Bill, 9-11 Bill, and I'm like, you're going to have that opportunity to be with that, you know, to say you were there to your children, which you didn't have children, but your children, grandchildren, you're going to be able to tell that story, so you get out there, you're on the same flight with them. I'm like, you you make it a good story, and, and like, doing national um, naturalization ceremonies and just being there to tell those stories. That's what really, and, and I got, you know, to travel all over the world and do that and see so many people and things. And I always wish that people would get the opportunity to go outside of maybe their community, but their state, their country, and see how other people live and see the work that our military is doing humanitarian-wise. I mean, sometimes, you know, war is the necessary evil, but we spend a lot of time in humanitarian-type environments, and, and I got to do a lot of that. And so I was really proud of that service, and, and that's that's been my thing. And I guess my favorite award that I got, I got lots of awards, but the best one was the um, Military Outstanding Veteran, not Veteran, Volunteer. That one for volunteering, I got that like three times because that's my heart of volunteering and I've been able to continue that with the VA and so it's, it's been great. That's so terrific and I loved your point, Paula, especially about uh, the fact that the military and our brave uh, women and men in uniform have a story to tell and it speaks to the importance of the role that you've played. That story is often a bipartisan one. It is one that transcends politics. And so I really just loved your stories. Thanks for sharing it, Paula. Yeah. 
So Dean, tell me about you, your service to the country, how you found your way at VA, and anything else you want to say. Go ahead. Well, I, I was Navy from 72 to 76. I was a corpsman, um, joined the Navy to see the world, spent three years with Marines because they got all their corpsmen from the Navy. Uh, uh, <clears throat> had a good time. I, 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 uh, I have positive feelings about my Navy experience. Um, got out, started college, had a family to support, started working construction, found out I'm a really good carpenter. So that's what I did. I, I spent my career as a carpenter. Um, uh, I'd still be doing it if I didn't have too many leg issues. But uh, aside from that, uh, I did not really uh, join up with the VA until I had an accident in 2005 that ultimately cost uh, my left foot, my left leg below the knee. And after the, the uh, initial amputation, I went ahead and finally signed up with the VA, got my care at Loma Linda, um, and I've got nothing but good things to say about the care I got uh, through the VA at Loma Linda. Uh, Dr. Bull was, uh, was in charge uh, she she had the amputee clinic at the time, um, and I I just felt like I was getting taken care of very well through the VA there. Moved to Texas in 2014, so I came over and signed up with the Dallas VA. And once again, I, I think I'm getting good treatment with the the VA. Uh, I have I have no complaints. Uh, the prosthetics department is very professional, good people. I deal with D down here. Um, we have Dr. Raval, who's in charge of, of uh, the amputee clinic. Those are the major things I've I've come to the VA for. I've had a few other issues that, that I've dealt with from them, um, and all have been well taken care of. I, you know, I think that the only negative thing I've got about the VA is that when the war on opiates happened, I have chronic pain. Now I can't get the pain meds that I need. And we've tried everything. So it's not like they haven't tried. And outside the VA, we've tried you know, acupuncture and stem cells. And the stem cells actually seem to work, but we could only afford one treatment and uh, they're expensive. So I'm probably a person who'd need three or four treatments before they, they'd help. Um, but that's, that's really the only downside I have to the VA, and it's not their fault because it came from above the VA, and everyone who's got chronic pain now deals with, how do I deal with my pain? Um, so if ever you could convince people at the CDC and above you that you know we need to do something more for chronic pain people, I'd appreciate that. But aside from that, I am... I am um, I'm a satisfied customer. How's that? <laughs> well, that's great, uh, Dean. So the the they, my major issue has always been the leg, and they've taken care of the leg. Yeah. So, well, I can tell you, I'm I'm really grateful that you've trusted us with your care um, after your incredible service to the nation, and I'm glad that both Loma Linda and the Dallas uh, VA folks could come to your assistance in meaningful ways. And so we'll talk in a minute about how virtual reality and extended reality contributed to that care for your pain and for your condition. But before we do that, I wanna to go to our 
combined veteran and VA clinician, Evan. So you are both of those. How did you get involved in VA Immersive? And tell us a little about your background as well. Sure. Um, uh, thanks for obviously having me up here. Um, so I'm a Marine veteran, um, and so I love my corpsman uh, over there. Um, but I, uh, I came into VA uh, both as my experience with uh, transition out of the military and really um, my experience in the infantry and uh, wanting to expose how nature can really be a therapeutic and healing environment for folks. Um, and so when I got into VA, I, I'm a recreational therapist by trade. And um, lo and behold, pretty much right about at the start of my career, the pandemic happened and it became really difficult for me to uh, take veterans outdoors and take them in and provide these experiences in these therapeutic environments in a, a space that was uh, restricted and a lot of restrictions to maintain that safety. And so I grew up video gaming. I always uh, found therapeutic uh, value in that, but never really uh, positioned that as a, as a therapy itself until uh, the pandemic happened. And I really had to get creative on how do I let people experience the outdoors or how do I let them experience this when it's not safe right now to take them outside of the room or we have all of these precautions. And so virtual reality was a potential uh, ability to access that. And through that, um, it was just a snowball of um, this is much more powerful than you know, even initially I thought it was, and it was engaging the veterans that I was serving in so much more spectacular ways, where I was able to take them to travel across the world or take them to fish again. And, you know, for somebody who's 95 years old in an acute rehab unit, that's something that we don't we don't think we can ever do again. Mm -hmm. um, but all of a sudden, this technology has advanced so far that now I can do that. And... Um, I started to see uh, increased participation with these veterans and increased interest in other therapies because it gave them something to look forward to. And then from that, um, I got uh, introduced to Dr. Bailey and Caitlin Rollins and the team at the VA that was really putting this uh, on a stage and really highlighting that this is happening. And uh, the rest is history. I'm here. I'm, I'm all in. This is something that, as a veteran personally, um, it's really amazing to be able to say that the VA is doing this and that we are uh, a leader in this technology as well. Yeah. Really incredible. You started to hint at some of the things we can do with this technology for veterans, and we'll definitely ask Paula and Dean in a moment about their experiences. But Dr. Bailey, tell us about how you found yourself in the VA, how you found yourself as a clinical pharmacist doing this and uh, you know why you think it's so important to spread this technology to the degree that you have and your team has. That's a great question. I in, just want to echo what you said to begin with. Thank you to the veterans for you guys for being here today to tell your story and why this matters because at the end of the day that's why we continue to do this and expand and grow it. It's an honor to get to do this work. Um, I've grown up in the VA. I did my residency in VA. I came to VA because I'm a type 1 diabetic and so this is my opportunity to serve. Um, and I'm honored in both my professional and personal life to be a civilian but a veteran advocate. 
Um, and, and being a part of this um, effort over the last several years, uh, Caitlin and I got to work together early in the VA in Asheville, North Carolina, when she started piling it for post-operative pain and anxiety. Um, and me, as a practicing pharmacist at the time, we're always trying to find that non-pharmacological approach that people will try. You know, you, you mentioned that as well, Dean. How do we get people the treatment and the help that they need? Um, at the, in the right way at the right time. And we started to see some of those benefits really quickly and really early on. So um, as a clinical provider, we saw that benefit um, and opportunity. And then also, I think importantly for us as a team, all of us have grown up in the VA. So not only are we centering this work around the veteran, the end user, the persons we, the people we really wanna help, but we also have that lens of the clinical providers and how do we make this as easy as possible for them to see this as a tool um, to help benefit and implement in their practice as well. Good, well we're glad you're here and you're, we're glad you took the leadership role over this with your incredible team. Because in a moment we're gonna ask Paula and Dean what their experiences were. So Paula, tell me, you know, you say that this has helped with your sleep, but first tell me about what your experience has been like when you have the headsets on. Like, what does that do for you? How does it make you feel? And then what has it done to be able to help you sleep? So unlike Evan, I don't play video games. That's, <laughs> that's not my thing. And I'm like, oh, it's, but putting it on, especially going from like the way things used to look, I'm like, you're in there. You are in there, and it's just um, so serene, and, and the sound, and all of those things make it um, really easy to get used to, because at first I thought, I'm not going to like this on my head, but I'm going to try it, because they asked me to try it, I'm going to try it, but yeah, I wasn't really expecting much. Honestly, I was not expecting much, and I was pleasantly surprised, um, because when I actually use it, I basically only use it for sleep. Um, I have sleep apnea, just can't get with the CPAP. Tried and tried. Then from there, they, it wasn't um, severe enough that I could use the Inspire and get it installed, but they said we can do this other apparatus called TAP where it's like something you put in your mouth, it makes your jaw come forward, but you can't open your teeth. It's the weirdest thing ever. It's, so that really bothered my teeth because it's stuck on there and it's hard to unlock. And I'm like, I can't do that either. And then when doing work in my volunteer role with the VA of um, the Veteran Innovative Perspective, that, that role, um, I got to see all these VR different things and try different things out. And when they said, oh, we have a set, we want to see if you can do it. And they knew sleep was an issue. And they gave me the trip app. Um, they paid for that. And it works like magic. And I, I don't know how that works because literally I can sleep. I, I can just go to sleep. And, and sometimes I can get in a pattern and I sleep well. And then I don't use it every day and I start to skip. But then I realize, oh, I'm not sleeping. So I need to do something different. And so I don't know what the, I hope somebody can tell me. What is it doing to my brain that... I can do that, and this whole calm comes, and I stay asleep. I don't wake up. I don't have to go to the bathroom. That's a, another issue that I'm being treated for. But I, if, I, if I'm doing that on a regular basis, it's just like a miracle. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And when Tiffany called, it was like one day I had not been sleeping well before, and, and I used it. And she happened to call that next day. I'm like, well, 
let me tell you before you, whatever you say to me, this is a miracle. It's a miracle. I can sleep so well and, and just, and I couldn't do that before. So, and I'm not the type that snores. And that was a thing to me too. I, I thought if you had sleep apnea, you snore, but I just toss and turn and my mind does not settle down. That That's an issue. So to sleep, that's a hard thing. And um, went through the whole uh, sleep hygiene and I did that therapy for a while too. But, you know, this works like fast. <laughs> it works and I, and the one I use is only about 10 minutes. And so that's, that's easy enough to fall in. It lets you know if you're falling asleep because too soon it's like it's not over yet. Yeah. Focus, focus. And I'm like, oh, okay. What does it look like in there when you put the headsets on? Um, it's, it's, it looks very real. Everything looks so real that like you could touch it or that you're really in there and a part of it. And it's very common because, like I said, I only use it for sleep. So what I'm looking at and, and listening to is all very calming and it just, it's just, it just brings anxieties down or whatever is going through my mind to make me not um, to be restless. It just takes that away. Don't know how, but <laughs> so if anybody could explain that one, that's a great one. I mean, what what is it doing? What what is it doing to my mind that helps it to come so quickly and be in that state? So I'm a firm believer. Well, it's great. And I appreciate you sharing your experiences and how it's so it's helped you so much. It's really inspiring about what's possible with this technology. And, and, and I don't yeah. know if this was the right spot, but it's like hopefully they can let more people get that opportunity because I know they talked about for therapy, like you could come in early and use it. I'm like, okay, what good is that when I go home? I only come here once every other month. So I'm like, what good is that going to do me? It just gives you a sample of what could be, and then you go home. Yeah. So, But to be able to use it in my home when I'm ready to go to sleep um, and to be able to do that. And combining it with like the sleep hygiene that I learned from going through, I can't remember the name of that therapy was. That was through the sleep clinic as well. Um, did that for about six weeks or so, something like that. And so I combined it with the things I learned from there and then put that on, it's just, you know, that's good. Because if you looked at my Fitbit score for sleeping, you would see like, oh man, she does wake up a lot. I, I, I still don't probably get out the 80s, most times in the 60s or 70s. And then when I use it, I can get to 80s or something. But yeah, it's a work in progress. Well, listen, like we're all works in progress, but um, you, using it, taking a risk to use it because you didn't know how it would work and what you would experience, but then coming on and telling your story, super grateful for that. And I'm really happy it's helping you mm -hmm. with your sleep apnea. Dean, you participated in a study looking at how we might use VR to help treat a condition called phantom limb pain. So tell us a little bit about how you came to the study and what the session looked like for you and what the benefits uh, have been so far in your use of it. Okay, well, Dr. Dr. Ruval um, uh, had contacted me to let me know that there was a beta trial coming up for a, uh, a type of uh, virtual reality that, that mimics mirror therapy for an amputee. And mirror therapy being uh, 
a means of fooling your brain into thinking that that missing limb is actually there. Uh, because the phantom limb pain that, that we experience is the brain trying to connect to the limb that's no longer there. In my case, I'm a below-the-knee amputee. My brain is always trying to connect to a foot that's not there. I've always got a tingly sensation. Um, I can feel my left foot more than I can my right foot. Uh, and, and I think uh, on the on the 1 to 10 pain scale, it probably averages about a 3. Not, not real painful, just annoying. Um, and doesn't bother me much during the day because I have, a, I have other pain issues related to my leg that are greater. So you got more pain, you don't think about the phantom limb until you try to go to sleep. And uh, when you take your, your leg off, in my case, that socket's removed. And so now you got a whole bunch of blood rushing to the area, fluids rushing to an area that's been compressed all day. And so then I, the phantom limb is probably a four. And that's enough to make it difficult to go to sleep. So uh, she asked if I'd be willing to, to participate in the trial. And uh, I thought it'd be a great, great deal. So it's a virtual reality headset that you wear. And uh, you, you know, just like Paula, I, I, I don't do video games, but it's a video game. And so you have to learn to play the video game. You have to have a controller in your hand and in this case, because they're dealing with a foot, they are exercises or games with the foot where I've, you have to kick things and do things with, with both feet. But the way that VR was set up, um, it did a mirror image of my good foot, my right foot. When I look into the screen and watch the video game, it looked like I had two real legs. And I had discovered early on um, that you want to do it wearing shorts. And I would take my shoes and sock off on my right foot so that when it did the mirror image of my right foot, I saw a left foot. And uh, that that's actually a pretty cool thing. It, you know, I've been without a leg for 18 years now. To, so to see a left foot was just, it was exciting. So I would do the different exercises using what looked like a real left foot, and that confuses the brain into thinking that the foot's there. About two weeks in, and it was a four-week trial, I noticed it was easier to go to sleep at night, and that was my biggest issue with phantom pain, that... Um, I'd crawl into bed and I, I, my leg would just be tingly and it'd take an hour to go to sleep because I had to wait for my leg to settle down. With this uh, VR therapy, I was noticing that the tingling wasn't as, as intense. And so I was actually able to settle down and go to sleep a lot earlier. So for me, it wasn't an issue of dealing with phantom pain that was bothering me throughout the day but it was actually easier to go to sleep at night because it had dealt with the phantom pain. And uh, I noticed for six months, maybe even a full year after the trial, that that was that worked. It's been a, over a year and a half now, and I'm starting to get the, you know, the phantom limb thing is annoying at night again. 
Um, so it's probably something, well, I, in fact, I, I told the people at the trial that when you're ready to do another beta test, give me a call because I'm ready. I'm ready. So, uh, so I'll just, I'll, I'll just reinforce that with you. When you're ready to do another beta test, give me a call because I'm <laughs> ready. It. it worked. Yeah. It's really fascinating. And, you know, both, um, of your experiences involve taking headsets home and, you know, yep. we're starting to see a pattern here. When you have the symptoms that you're trying to treat, it's always great to have the technology, of course, guided by the care of a clinician. And the other thing you mentioned, Dean, is an important reminder, we are studying this. This isn't just a fun project, although it is fun, and it's certainly beneficial in your examples. But we want to make sure we test this as rigorously as we would test, you know, a new medication or a new type of therapy for cancer, let's say, which involves a really rigorous trial where you compare the outcomes between doing it versus not doing it or doing it and the next best option. And so um, to that end, I want to uh, go to you, Evan. You um, provide care to your fellow veterans as a recreational therapist. You talked a little bit about that when you told us about your story. Uh, Tell us some of the impacts you've seen. Tell us some of the stories that stick with you as a recreational therapist, as a veteran. What's a really meaningful story we should take away from this? Yeah, I think it's it's probably one of the most important things that we share are those stories, those veteran stories, and um, there's countless. Yeah, I, you know, it's it's hard to place one, but there's there's some really impactful ones, especially when we talk about amputation or or pain. Is you know, when I was using this, I, I initially wanted to use it for physical activity and maybe some stress reduction cause, because we know that activity and being active and doing the things we love reduces anxieties and stressors. Um, but what I started to see with the, the veterans that had amputations was uh, reduced pain and sometimes no pain, no reported pain, because we had them in this immersive experience where, um, as Dean is saying, you know, I can see my foot again. And, uh, you know, tricking the brain into thinking that, that we're not um, experiencing that pain and then allowing me to then teach why that's happening or what's actually happening. What is that virtual reality device doing and why are we not experiencing those symptoms that we have conditioned, which it's a very quick conditioning to learn pain. Um, how do we retrain the brain into not producing those, those not helpful signals? Um, but probably the most impactful experience in my experience as a veteran and as a provider um, was I had a terminal patient and um, this patient was in our acute rehab. And so if you know about acute rehab, it's it's not easy, it's intense, it's a lot of therapy, it's a lot about getting you back home and safe. And, um, you know, he's, he's terminal, so, so that's hard psychologically to get you back to that space and to make you want to try. And so as a recreational therapist, we get the, the fun job of, of getting a lot of the difficult situations where how do we get that person invested in, into the therapy and how do we leverage the things that they enjoy doing to teach them how it can be therapeutic. So you, leveraging virtual reality. And so I came to this veteran and I shared, you know, hey, you know, I know you don't want to participate in PT right now. I know it's really difficult. Um, 
let's are, are you okay with trying this virtual reality device it's it's uh it's this device and same to paula and dean's comments like oh i don't play video games <laughs> and um i think that's a really cool part of this technology is you don't have to and that's that's what you're learning from these two as well is this is an organic device and so uh we had a couple experiences and um you know, I asked him, like, what, what are these experiences? Do you want to go to Venezuela? Do you want to try these? Do you want to go fishing? And when I brought up the Blue Angels, he was really excited. So uh, we put him in an experience where he was flying in a Blue Angels jet. And um, as many skeptic kind of uh, approaches, you know, when your patient becomes a little bit unresponsive, it's a little bit worrisome. And so, um, you know, I had to prompt this gentleman a couple times, but the really impactful part came when we took the headset off um, and I saw tears streaming down this gentleman's face. And so um, at first as a recreational therapist, I'm like, oh my gosh, what's, what's, what's going wrong? What did I do wrong here? And before I could ask um, any follow-up questions, this gentleman shared that uh, you just brought me closer to my father. And... I didn't, you know, I, I had done my assessment, I had had these conversations, but I didn't think about this gentleman's connection with coping with his condition. Mm -hmm. I thought about how do we get him interested in participating. Mm -hmm. Come to find out his father was a Navy pilot. He always wanted to share that experience, and his father also passed from the same condition. Mm -hmm. And so after that, every time I would come in and work with this gentleman, he was excited. He wanted to know where we were going next, what we were doing next. And so what this technology had the capability of doing is flipping that perception of, of how we're approaching this care and making it personalized to him. Uh, this wasn't an experience that necessarily he ever thought he would get or an experience that he would ever have, uh, but it gave him this hope that you know what, I want to get home and I want to experience some things still. Um, we also saw pain reduction with this gentleman. We saw him, you know, actually participate in the PT and OT. And it gamified the therapeutic environment for him where there's no fear of repercussions. There's no fear of judgment. It's a personalized experience that only he got to experience. And that was something that changed the way that I approach things forever because with this tool, it allows me a better ability to reach the veterans with the more difficult things like phantom limb pain or uh, coping with death or uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. Now with this tool, I can put you in that environment um, versus having to ask you to imagine and ask you to do these things. Now we can participate. And so you're not thinking about the other things that, uh, you know, oh, this is silly. Oh, this, I don't play video games you're more thinking, oh, wow, I'm here, I'm there, I'm doing this. And that was an ability that I didn't necessarily have as a therapist. It was, I have now a tool that gives me the ability to do it. And so that, you know, to share a story, that's probably the story that literally changed my trajectory in the VA as well. And to be able to give a fellow veteran, that is more important than anything I've been able to do. It's incredible, really meaningful stories. And um, if you could also just tell us about how this works on a day-to-day. -day. So some folks come in, get an immersive experience at a medical center, at a clinic. Our two veteran guests today tell us they got to take, they had um, part of their treatment was taking their headsets home. So how does this go 
play-by-play here. Yeah. Um, so if you're, you know, reaching out to your facility that has virtual reality and the providers are, are uh, using this in care, if it's at the facility, you you get a consult and you participate with that therapist. You do the assessment, the whole traditional setting. And then um, as a recreational therapist, I determine what is that thing that you enjoy doing and what is the most appropriate use of the d device if I'm going to use it. Um, in whatever capacity. So if we're working on physical therapy kind of approaches, if we want to increase endurance or flexibility, we might do something more active. Whereas if we're working on sleep and relaxation, you know, teaching or asking an infantry marine to deep breathe is a pretty difficult concept and learning breath holds, it's kind of silly. Mm -hmm. But if I can put you in a virtual reality headset to then say, okay, we're gonna work on our breath, but all I need you to do is participate in this guided experience. And the part that's really important is that education um, that I'm also providing of here's what your brain's doing, here's what your breath is doing, and lowering blood pressure and heart rate and lowering those pain signals. Um, and so you participate in 10 to 30 minutes typically in virtual reality, and then we provide the education. Um, and then after that is working on that plan of, okay, how do, we, how do we transfer those skills to your everyday life or how do we get you a device, um, whether that be, you know, through hopefully prosthetics or whether that be through maybe it's an affordable device that you can actually purchase. So here's a list of things that you can do independently. And as recreational therapists are really good at doing is making you independent. Mm -hmm. That's our goal is to make you independent and get give you those skills to participate independently at home. Um, if you're working with PT, it, it might be that you come in for a PT appointment and you put on a virtual reality headset and you're working on endurance and, and range of motion uh, by maybe participating in a pinball activity where you're in the pinball experience. And so you're, you're not thinking about, you know, you doing the physical therapy, you're thinking about just getting that ball to, to hit that and, and increase your score, and so gamifying, right? Yeah. And so then we're, again, changing the perception of now I want to go to participate in that therapy. Um, but then we're able to take that data, and we're able to look at range of motion. We're able to look at participation length, and we're able to say, you know, hey, you know, Last week, we did this, and you only stood for about 10 minutes. Now we're up to about 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. So not only are we able to do that in that kind of clinical setting, but then we're able to give you that immediate feedback as a veteran, where you see your score increase, you see yeah. your range of motions increase, you see your time increase, and you're looking forward to that. So how that looks like is you get a consult um, to, your, to your provider, just as you typically would, and then they determine that virtual reality is an appropriate use for you. Yeah. And once that's determined, then we just decide, okay, here's the activity that we want to leverage to do the same thing we're already doing. It's still physical therapy. It's just using it as that tool. And then we provide education on this is what's happening, this is how it's doing it, and this is how you can participate or move forward. And as you've, both of you have shared, this is helping with my sleep. You know, we, we may have been working on deep breathing and relaxation, but now it's started to affect your pain, which affects your sleep. And, it, and if we can connect all of those dots, then we're making you more independent, and that's the goal. That's great. It's literally, 
gamifying the therapeutic experience and showing the results. The patient, the veteran does better at the game. They're actually improving clinically, which is really, really great. And thanks for helping to describe how veterans might get access to it. And that gets to my next question to Dr. Bailey. So you've been an incredible leader over this effort, you and Dr. Caitlin Rollins, um, you know, bringing this to as many medical centers as possible. Tell us about your goals over the next year and tell us about strategically what you're thinking on how to give access to veterans of this really awesome technology. Those are great questions. It's, it's been such an exciting conversation to hear why this matters. And so many people talk about um, why this matters to be available in their homes and patients' homes. So over the next year, we want to focus on three things as a team, um, as an effort. One of those being increasing access to the technology, both in the medical centers and in the patient homes. So working with our services within VA to make it easier for you all to have access to these devices more readily. And for those devices then to have exactly what you need on them based on what you need to use them for, for sleep or for pain or for um, substance use disorder or different things um, that we might wanna think about helping augment the therapy. We're not replacing therapy, as you mentioned. Uh, we're just helping fill some of those gaps and meet needs that otherwise aren't being met. Um, so that's our plan is both increase access at the medical centers, but also build that pathway with some of our internal teams to make it easier to get these devices available to patients readily in their homes. Um, and then we want to um, train our staff better how to use these devices, um, how to teach patients as the patients use the devices, and then also teach our veterans how to use the devices. As Evan mentioned multiple times, um, making everyone, increasing that independence and autonomy as you use these devices to make sure you're getting the most um, out, of the, out of these opportunities with immersive technology. Um, and then you mentioned gathering data. We wanna know how it works and why it works and then be sure that we as VA are making that readily available to the broader community. Um, because I, I see VA's role and leadership here as, a, as an incredible opportunity, but also a responsibility. Uh, we've been multiple places and had the opportunity to present publicly multiple times where people have said to us, if VA doesn't lead here, we don't know that it will happen and we know that it needs to happen. Yeah. Um, and so we're looking forward to that opportunity and responsibility. Love to hear it. And the work you're doing in replicating Paula, Dean, Evans, experiences that they described, you know, maybe this becomes part of the standard therapy we offer for certain things. We only get there by generating the data, by getting more and more veterans access to this and really revealing what the benefits are uh, for some of these conditions. So really appreciate your work, Dr. Bailey. As always, we will give our veterans the last word here and we'll start with you, Dean. Uh, tell us what you want uh, our veteran viewers and listeners to know about this technology. Uh, anything, any words of wisdom you want to leave with us here as well, go right ahead. The technology is actually pretty simple. It, it was not difficult to learn to do it. For somebody who won't play video games, and you know, my grandson will sometimes pull me aside and say, come on, Poppy, let's play. And I said, no, I'll watch. But this was something I could do. I would, I, I would keep it at home and keep doing it. Uh, it's very simple. Uh, you, you wear the VR headset. You do have one hand controller that allows you to select. So it's nothing too difficult. I don't have to figure out that, you know, this button makes me jump and this makes me duck. None of that kind of stuff. It's just a very simple select the game that you're going to play. And then throughout the game, you just have to 
do the the activity that it's requiring you to do. And in my case, it was a leg activity. I sat down the whole while I was doing it. I just had to, I had to kick a ball. I had to pop a, a little, they called it piano because you'd, you'd, you'd pop a color on the ground and it'd make a, a piano dink. Um, so it was actually, it was pretty good exercise too. You do 15 minutes of leg exercises the whole while. So it's gotta be healthy for you that way. But it, it was an easy way of fooling my brain. It was fun looking at a real left foot. That, that was, I mean, that was the most exciting thing. And, and it took me two weeks to figure out that I had to take my shoes off and wear shorts. So you actually saw the left foot seeing a left shoe didn't do it. When you see that real left foot, you, you get excited about doing the game. And uh, it, you know when you're excited about the game, you do it more often. We were beta testing. Betas are glitchy. That's why we do beta testing so they can figure out the glitches and fix them. Um, so there were a few things that went, there were, there were a couple of the games that I do that just it wasn't doing it because it was too glitchy, but other games worked really well. And instead of doing the two that they asked me to do, I do five or six or seven of that game because it was actually fun and it's a good exercise. So uh, it, for, for my recommendation, any vet who gets a chance to do it, do it. Um, and, and I, you know, I could see that eventually it could be something where, you could just give us a program that we could take home and put on our computer at home. And all we'd have to have is a VR headset with a hand controller and two cameras. It does require two cameras so it can take a picture of you. But I wouldn't mind having that at home. I would do it frequently um, if, it, if it were something I had on a computer at home. Well, good. And a couple of really important takeaways from what you just said, one of which... You know, this isn't the type of science where we're getting our data from test tubes or petri dishes. We're getting it directly from what veterans are telling us they're experiencing, what's working, what's not working. And yes, this is totally imperfect, uh, the point you make about glitches. The only way we fix those glitches is if we test it out uh, in a responsible way and with veterans' consent and participation to have veterans tell us how it's working. So thank you for that, and thanks for everything you said today. Dean, your perspective is so valuable. Paula, we'll give you the last word. Tell us what we should take away from this. Again, the veteran listeners, viewers, about what this technology might do for folks across the country. I think it's a, a game changer. I know I'm a person that doesn't really like to take a lot of medication. Some I have to, but you know, if I could get around it, I do have um, another area in my body where I have pain and and although I didn't do the VR for that, just that it can calm the whole body down is just wonderful. So for those that could really see the application with PTSD, that type of thing, when you're getting these messages or something triggers you, if you could just have that at your ready, not to go in for a group session, but at your home and go, okay, let me just put this on and take a, you know, 15 minutes to bring myself back down to like where I need to be, I could see that being very beneficial. And the VA is wonderful for giving um, different devices to help the 
the veteran. You know, you get all these different devices. This is just another one because I'm sure it doesn't cost any more than that CPAP machine that's just sitting on the side. You better believe so it. So yes. I, I, I mean, so you know, sometimes when they say, "Well, it's a lot," but I think it could be given and teach someone how to use it, and then um, you know, so you'll have different populations. Some people are gamers or whatever. Um, and I'm looking forward to learning how to do more than just sleep <laughs> with it. But that's what it's doing for me. Uh, and it just brings it back down. So if that's something they could provide. I know I went to one thing at the, the Vet Sim Center. And they had something with Parkinson's that we saw. And a soldier of mine just contacted me and said, He's just so upset because it's affected his speech and all these different things. And I, I'm like, well, wait a minute. I went to something. You need to ask about that when you go back and see them. And he's out of Hines in Chicago, and I'm in Orlando. But I'm like, you know, if, the, if, if, if it exists, you can get some help, and this might be a treatment for you as well. So I'm spreading the word to other people that might have a chance to see that and as well as i do the wounded warrior project peer support group and you know i share with them like this is something you could ask for if you have different issues because everybody in the group has some issues so it's like that's one and ptsd is a big issue and i could see it as an, uh, a therapy that people could use and take home and you know make their lives better so i'm all for it 100 percent, and hopefully it gets into more veterans' hands. Well, that's that's really great, and you know the point you make, especially Paula, about how um, you know you've got therapies that are medication, injections, procedures. This is a pretty non-invasive therapy. You put on the headset, you experience the therapy, and you can walk away without some of the side effects you see with other things. So uh, one of the things we call as part of our whole health package could be extending access to this technology so and it, it could be something that maybe people try out because for some it they might go i i can't stand something being over my face or whatever mm -hmm. and then once they show that they know how to use it and they're using it then maybe they get it you know and to, and to keep it yeah. or something like that after you show you're going to you know how to use it and it helps if it doesn't help then okay well try something different, but I think it would help a lot of people. Well, that's a good segue into our closing here because the only way veterans will try this technology if they, is if they hear from other veterans about their experiences. And I am so grateful to both of you, to both of you for coming on and talking about what we're trying to accomplish here. Um, this will be super helpful to folks who are thinking about this. And I hope that more and more of our clinicians throughout the country consider bringing part of this at least into their clinic. Um, and so the only way we do that again is if we get veterans in front of folks to talk about what happened. So I am so grateful that you've done that today. And so this has been another episode of New Horizons in Health, bringing veteran health care into the future. I want to thank my incredible panelists today. And until next time, we are constantly looking for new and innovative ways to advance veterans' health and well-being. And there's so much we have to tell that story. And I look forward to the next episode with all of you. So thank you so much.